Hello and welcome back for mile 22 of the Seconds Flat Running podcast. This is our look back at 2018 and our look ahead to 2019. Benji and I are going to discuss some of our favorite moments from the past year, favorite shoes, races, performers, runs that we went on, and moments here on the podcast, and then get a little peek ahead to what we're excited for in 2019. Benji, Happy New Year. How are you, buddy? Man, I'm feeling really full. Mama made some good prime rib on Christmas. Ooh, mommy, mommy. I'm a fat little piggy. Yeah, we went out for a brunch mm. buffet. Perhaps my two favorite words in oh, all of the English. 2018 of you. Yes, it was, very much so. And it set me back a little bit. But I have recovered. I'm looking forward <laughs> to 2019. So let's kick it off. With our favorite shoes of 2018, we're going to, what say you, do top three shoes. You want to reverse order that? How do you want to rank these? Yeah, let's start with our third and go down to our favorite. Okay, give me your number three shoe. I'm going to go with the Saucony Freedom ISO 2. I loved the one. Yeah. The only complaint I had was that the toe box was a touch narrow, and they widened it just a little bit on this model, and it's perfect for me now. Okay, that is actually my number three as well. Whoa. Yeah, I like the Freedom. The last model was great. You're right, a little bit wider across the toes. Good fit for what I like. I'm going to tell you what that actually beat out for me, my honorable mention shoe. Please do. Because I think you're going to have it ranked high. That is the Nike Vaporfly 4%. Because for two reasons. Obviously, it has revolutionized racing. But I left it off my list for two reasons. One... I liked the previous iteration, the original that came out with the mesh upper instead of the knit upper on the shoe. I I liked the feel a little bit better for me. While the knit upper, they did lock it down a little better on the heel. I just liked the mesh feel. And then two, it's just something that you can't really maybe afford to wear every day as quick as it wears out. And with the price tag amazing shoe for racing and it is it's almost in its own separate category but i just left it out only because i didn't feel like the jump from the first one to the second one was that big for me so that was my honorable mention shoe. yeah and you may be shocked to know that it wasn't in my top okay cool but what is at my number two spot hit me is the Brooks Adrenaline 19. Oh. They went a different route for a stability shoe, yep. taking off the posting everyone's so used to and inserted what they're calling Guide Rails 2.0, yep. which is supposed to flow better with your natural foot strike and guide you rather than have this chunk of denser foam working against what you naturally do. And I personally won't ever run in this shoe because I don't need to, Yep. but I love that they're being innovative. I agree. I think... Some people who love that shoe might be disappointed. I think others who have never worn the shoe before may be drawn in from other brands, from other models who are used to being in a stability or support shoe. Something that perhaps is a little more mild and kind of allows you to wear the shoe regardless of what kind of foot movement you have. I know my mama has been an Adrenaline fan for a few years, and she likes the new one. She's big on the 19. Got her two colors of that for Christmas. She's looking fresh. You've got to be the favorite son. Uh, You know what? When the competition is so slim, you look pretty good. I am going to go at number two with an oldie but a goodie, a re-release, the Hoka 
Clifton One Ooh. brought the original back out. I loved the early models because they were real spongy and kind of wide up front, and they has, they served a certain purpose for me. When I just wanted to run nice and easy on an easy day and recover something soft, felt great. The Clifton One is much lighter, much more flexible than the newer generations. So I'm pretty excited about the Hoka Clifton number one as my number two shoe. So what do you got at the top, big boy? My heart was broken in 2018 when it was announced the Nike Lunar Racer was discontinued. Mm. Mm. Because I trained in that, I raced in that, I loved it. And I have finally found a solid replacement. Uh Oh, a new relationship. The Nike Pegasus Turbo is my top shoe. Wow, okay. It's just so versatile. I've ran a sub five mile in it. I've ran 10 miles in it. It's You can use it for anything. I didn't expect you to go there, but I actually had it at number one also. Hey. And it's funny because the like critical response to it hasn't been as over the top as when they came out with the Vaporfly. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, it has a layer of the ZoomX foam, just like the Vaporfly has. It's also layered with another thin layer of the React foam that Nike has now to give it a little more substance. And it's very lightweight, but it has super high cushion, which makes it really versatile, like you said. I've used it in workouts. I've used it a lot on long runs. I did not run my recent marathon in it, but I feel like I could have. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this. I have never had a Nike shoe that I like to train in before this model. So I'm a little different than you as someone who's had some Nikes that you liked, like the Lunar Racer. I'm no Nike shill here. I've always preferred other brands a little more. I love the Turbo. One thing I notice that, well, of course, first there's the price tag. It's a little more expensive. We're not going to Vaporfly territory, but... That's the price for ZoomX foam. Yeah, that's right. To get high cushion and lightweight is not easy. So you have the price tag for your daily trainer being a little bit more, and you might be able to get some other options that are lightweight options that are really good, like, say, a Saucony Canvara that's much less expensive. The other thing I've noticed is a little bit of forefoot fatigue on some really long stuff, which is weird and different to me, and I don't know if it's because of the foams, and it's maybe it's just a little bit soft compared to other stuff I'm used to, but I feel like I can put a bunch of miles on it and keep myself healthy and enjoy the ride. I think in that way it fits its intention. They wanted this training partner to go with the racing shoe that they made for their elite runners. And what can you wear every day that provides some of that feel, but also the support you need uh, to be healthy and be ready to race. So we're in agreement. Peg Turbo, number one. Great minds think alike. Absolutely. We do too. (laughs) Now, what are you looking for? <laughs> what are you looking forward to for 2019? Maybe a couple shoes you're excited about. Uh, I'm super excited for the Launch Six. Brooks Launch Six coming I, out like right now. Right. I've been using it since the Launch One, and yeah. I feel like this model has kind of gotten back to the roots. Mm-hmm. Got a little pillowy and sloppy around the three and the four, mm-hmm. and this one just feels like home. I like that description. I agree with you. I think the five went back to kind of like the one was, the things that the one did well. And I look forward to seeing the six. And that's a great price point on that shoe, too, for the amount of quality you get. A lot of people really like it. At that $100 price 
for a brand new really good shoe is a great option. For sure. I also look forward to the Peg Turbo 2. Turbo 2, they're getting rid of the striping down the top and maybe a little bit more manageable upper and slightly less weight to it. So I'm excited about that as well. I would, I'll stay with Nike. My number one that I'm most excited for is the new Vaporfly. The 5% now, they're calling it after lab testing to be even more efficient for racing (laughs) than the 4%. Soon enough, Ben, we will not even be running. The shoes will do all the work for us. That's my hope. The 5% brings you even more cushion, less weight, a new upper. That'll be really fun to see. I think it's a summer shoe. So we'll see when that one comes out. That's number one. Number two is a, a shoe that's coming out right now, just like you had the launch. Mine is the Kinvara 10. I have liked a lot of editions of the Kinvara, and I'm excited to see the kind of throwback retro 10th anniversary to look like the original, because to me, when I think about the shoe that changed the way I train, wow. it was the first Kinvara. When you had something that brought you lightweight and enough cushion to wear consistently, but you could wear it on fast days too, and you didn't have to trade back and forth between a chunky trainer and a much lighter flat or racing shoe. The Kinvara became the do-everything shoe, mm-hmm. and I think it, it was the first really to venture into that avenue, and that four millimeter drop that was unique with, with the Kinvara. In a lot of ways, the tin in addition to just the aesthetic, goes back to some of the roots of what the original was designed to do. I'm excited for that one. That's awesome. Yeah, when I started running, it was right when the original Kinvara came out. Yeah. 80% of high schoolers were in that shoe because of the versatility. Absolutely. I can remember I was coaching high schoolers at the time, and then those first few editions, the numbers of guys who loved that Kinvara. So that'd be fun to see. All right, let's go to our favorite races of 2018. Let's do it the same way. Start again at number three. Number three for me is the Lake Sonoma 50 miler. Ooh, when, uh, that's a fun one. The Coconino Cowboys, who we've talked about on the show, yep. they had three of their guys qualify for Western States in one race by securing a top five finish. Jim Walmsley broke the course record. It was just a huge day for trail racing at a pretty historic race. You and I have talked about this a little bit. I am not quite as much of an ultra guy as you are. My thought being, uh, I'd love to run some of those races, but I feel like I have a limited window left here of where I can still run relatively well on the roads, and I don't want to just sap it all. But if I were going to do a 50-miler, Lake Sonoma would be high on the list. The beauty of the area, the history of the race, some of the people that you see that run there— that would be that's right around Boston Marathon time. That's an awesome race. Lake Sonoma 50, good pick. And it leads me to my number 3, which was the Boston Marathon in awful conditions. The winners, Des Linden in the women's race giving us a first American female winner in 3 decades plus and how she did it, feeling early like she couldn't run to win. She was willing to help Shalane. She's tended to historically be someone who presses the pace a little bit more and works towards the lead and slowly reels the leader in in this case and then just breaks it open. Flip it on the men's race, it was kind of a similar setup for for Yuki to get the win 
he went out really hard at the beginning, but he faded out of the picture too, and then came back late and surged and broke the leader. And those were two really amazing stories of Des Linden, who's been so close so many times, Yuki, who just runs so many marathons. He is more sub-220 marathons than anyone in history. Boston, having been there and experienced the conditions this year, was really special. So number three, Boston Marathon on Patriots Day. What do you got at two? I have the Brussels Diamond League meet, mm. specifically that men's 5,000. Yep. Um, we saw eight men go under that 13-minute barrier, and we saw the fourth fastest 5,000-meter ever ever ran. run. Yeah. And American Paul Chalima goes under 13 there. First time, I think, since Bernard Lagat did it. That sounds right. I and think like, we've had seven, maybe, who have done it. I think he finished in sixth place in that race, even, in yeah. 12.57. He lost yeah. by, what was it, 13 Thir- seconds? Yeah, that's right. Yep. He was entering the straightaway as he was losing to an 18-year-old. And running a 5,000 meters under 13 minutes. And Crazy. And that far back, yeah. That was a pretty amazing race. And you have to have this combination of not just the talent, because we have guys who can do that on certain occasions, but you have to have people willing to chase that pace and a pace setter typically to help you get there. And so everything came together for a really amazing performance of men under 13 that day. I will go at number two with the USC Men's 4x4 Indoor National Championship in what would have been a world record except one member of the team was not a United States citizen, so it didn't technically count. But what's great about this is Texas A&M, who finished second, set a world record (laughs) in losing to them. Uh, That was a pretty incredible race that, of course, led by Michael Norman, who I expect big things from into the future. USC men's 4x4... NCAA champs indoors. That's my number two. My number one race. Yep. Maybe unconventional. Like that about you? Would be the NCAA men's 5,000 meter championship from the outdoor meet. In high school, the big name was Sean McGordy of Chantilly High School in Virginia. I remember my senior year watching him cruise a 1427 at Foot Locker South. And then I got to cool down with the guy. It was so cool. And then we saw glimpses of greatness from him in college, running 13.30 as a sophomore, running 3.53 in the mile as a junior. But then he had to get Achilles surgery Mm -hmm. his senior year, had to redshirt. He sat out, comes back, complete underdog, takes control of the race from 700 meters out and doesn't let anyone gain a step on him. It was beautiful execution for a very deserving champion. I think my favorite part about that race was your prediction going into it that no one would win in the time in which he won it. Uh, that you said you would never return to the show if someone won in that time because you thought it would either be faster or slower. To be fair, and no one did win it. I don't, I don't know Ooh. that that's fair. I think it's fair. Hit surgery. I think it's fair. Okay. A long shot won it. Maybe I would that we in the big picture he's not, but from five years ago, like you said, but more short short term there. I guess he was a bit of a long shot. I wouldn't call him a no one. Jeez. Who the heck are we? I was trying to allow myself to stay on the podcast. Yeah, well. I am going to pick the same meat 
for my number one race. To me, by far, the greatest moment of racing in 2018 is the women's 4x4 final at the NCAA Outdoor Championships. I'm sticking with USC 4x4s here. You remember this when Kendall Ellis just walks down Purdue down the home stretch to get a win, this incredible finish. If you haven't seen these races, look up the highlights. But this one in particular, unreal, gets the win. And not just that, it wins an NCAA championship for the USC Trojans. That was an incredible performance and Kendall Ellis on the eight anchor leg. And I remember vividly the commentators saying, oh, she's running out of space. This one's over, right? And here she comes. And that was sensational. Okay. Races we're looking forward to in 2019. I'm going to go with one off the top here because I, I, I'm hoping that I get to this before you do. I think you might have it, but I'm excited about it. And it's soon. And it's more in your realm. That is Jim Walmsley at the Houston Half Marathon (laughs) in January. Jim Walmsley, American ultra-marathoner extraordinaire, is running the Half Marathon in Houston in January in an attempt to make the Olympic trials to get a qualifying standard of under one hour and four minutes, which, if he does so, will put him into the Olympic trials next January And I want to see what happens because I can almost guarantee he's going to put himself on pace through at least half of this thing. He will lead half of this. (laughs) He he might lead. I'm sure there's going to be some really – there's great competition there. He has said he wants his debut marathon to be the Olympic trials, and he wants to press the pace under 210. Yeah, so this is the excitement to me because if he can do this – I just love the idea of what in the world is this guy going to do at the trials and how good is he at the marathon? We have really no clue. He's run half marathons before, but it's been a number of years ago and not necessarily something he particularly trained for. And while I don't know that he's exclusively training for this, given that he was signed up for the North Face Endurance Challenge 50 a couple months ago that, that got canceled because of the weather in California with the fires... He has put in a little half marathon block here in his training, so say the people on Strava. (laughs) And I want to see what he can do. I'm not going to doubt him. I was excited for this race in 2018 also because Molly Huddle went for and achieved the women's U.S. half marathon record. Yes. And there is live coverage of this that you can get on the stream from local channel in Houston online. We'll see what... uh, well, Jimmy Dubs can do in Houston, and if it gets him a spot in Atlanta. What about you? What are you excited for? I can't wait for the NCAA cross-country meet to mm. see if NAU can pull off a 4 P. There you go. Your Lumberjacks. That's like 11 months away. You're going to have to wait for a little while, but that is exciting storyline. Well, a little more immediate is the Camel City Elite Meet at the JDL Fast Track in yeah. Winston-Salem. Okay. The men's mile is loaded. Yep. We have Paul Chalimo, mm-hmm. Nick Willis, who's a silver medalist at the Olympic Games. Yes, sir. And then King Cheserek, newly minted 349 miler. We're going to get into that a little bit more later here. Uh, I agree. That's going to be a lot of fun. My other race that I'm super excited for is the Ben Sessions Return to Racing, the (laughs) much-anticipated 
jumped into a marathon this year. Why not just jump into a 100K in 2019? I'm not going to give the secrets away. The training has been top secret. It has been in the works for almost 24 hours now. We put together a training plan. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm not even going to say where you're racing. I don't Thank want you. too much anticipation to build among the audience. But There's not going to be enough room for fans at the site, so <laughs> they don't need to know. I think that we are, what, we're about less than two months out from yes, this? Is that right? We are. Less than two months out. We'll get you the full report here coming up soon, but Ben Sessions is back in action, and I'm really excited for it. So that's my, my next big one for 2019. Any others from you? I'm excited to see the Women's 5000 Indoor Championships at NCAA. Okay. After seeing the top the way the season four of started, the top yeah. six or seven times. Yeah, all that's time. a good one. Uh, yeah, I'm really intrigued to see who wins. Yeah, I get to see that in what a couple months here. That actually could be a fantastic race. So we could see that record go down. Yeah, that is possible. Good pick. Thanks. Top performers. Who'd you have from 2018 as your third best performer of the year? Elowid Kipchoge's world record in the marathon. Yeah. I'll go ahead and say I put that at number one. I believe that not just the time he ran, which is breathtaking to, to beat the record by the amount that he did, but if you watch the race and you haven't watched, if you have not watched the race, please get on YouTube, find the video. The aesthetic beauty with which he runs this time is, it's incomparable. How measured he is, how balanced, how even, how almost effortless it looks for long stretches when he drops competitors, drops pacers, and has to achieve this incredible task on his own. It is a phenomenal moment in running history. So I have to put Kipchoge at the top. When I watched that live, it was like three in the morning here or something. I can't even remember now. And we had a hurricane here at the time that I watched it through. It gave you this sense of of transcending running in a way that not a lot of athletes can. The beauty and grace that he showed in that competition. It gave you this sense of like watching Pete Maravich handle a basketball uh, from a different generation. Or maybe we could think to like a, a great gymnast at the top of their sport. Nadia Komanich, perfect score in the Olympics. I know what I look and feel like at the end of a marathon, even if I'm running really well. And it doesn't look anything like what that man was doing. He was on a different plane that day. So I had him at number one. Awesome. Where'd so you what go? was your number three? Oh, you want me to go ahead with my number three? Yeah, yeah okay, cool. I have Shelby Houlihan at number oh, three. What a great one. Uh, yeah, I think it's just like a huge breakthrough year for her. We know how good she is, and we have known that there was that potential, but I felt like she went to another level. Obviously, when you're breaking American records, that's easy to say. But I, I, I see it almost as a bridge to she is really one of my performers I really want to see in 2019 because I want to see what she can do in a world championship year on the global stage and just how good is she. I don't know what it'll be, 5K, 1500, 
She was my number three for 2018 and one that I'm really excited about for 2019. You want to go with number two then for you? Absolutely. Okay. This may trigger you that I ranked this above of, above Kipchoge's marathon. Please do. Dane Simmons. <laughs> uh, they are equally breathtaking performances. The shut-in Ridge Trail Run. Yep, he's back, baby. Two years off, 60 pounds later. Is it really? I don't think it's that much. Okay, got I think it's like 20. That's a big number you put out there. He's married now. Yep. More kids. Grown man. Gosh. Got man. a mortgage. No training. Nope. Think he got drunk the night before. Did he? I Probably. Good for him. But he made all the time cutoffs off nothing just because he's tough as nails. And I just love, here's this guy who hasn't done the sport he loved in some time, and he goes out there, kind of rekindles it a little bit. Yep. And he's able to find this place within himself, like an old shadow of himself, and be tough enough to gut it out to make these time cutoffs. And I think there's something romantic about finding your former self out on the trail. Yeah, there were some people who questioned if our good friend Dane would hit those cutoffs on the time, and I think he might have been one of them. Yeah, but... Two of them are on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun, and uh, that's an awesome race, and it was it was cool to see him get back into that, and so I think he's got some other ultra plans in the near future. So The, the Mount Mitchell Mount Mitchell marathon, Challenge, right? I believe, is up now. He might be in the marathon. I'm not sure yeah, which one he's in he's the running. marathon. Okay, there you go. My number two, actually, you mentioned earlier, is King Chez. Interesting year for Ed Cheswick. Yes. He opens it with a 349.4 mile. He closes it with a course record at the Manchester Road Race. And in between, he disappears with injury, right? We didn't see much of him. And I certainly had questions about would he ever regain that form that he showed, of course, through his college career, but then into the beginning of this year, on the indoor track and to close the way he did in Manchester I think it's hard to overlook those two really special performances from King Chez so while his year was this incredible modulation of up and down in both his racing and in his training slash health overall he put two performances in the book of 2018 that most people would love to hang their hat on for their entire career King Chess, number two. Who are you putting on top? I'm going to put Jim Walmsley's course record uh, at the Western States 100 mile. I actually like that you put Dane Simmons above Kipchoge more than this, but go ahead. <laughs> I am a huge Jim Walmsley fan. Uh, we know. Ma- mainly because we're shaped exactly the same. <laughs> but that was the first ultra race I've ever cared about. And it's a very special race. Yeah, and his history there... Not finishing mm-hmm. uh, in 17, taking a wrong turn after being on course record pace at 16. Just having him obliterate it, doing it with like almost perfect splits, being in a good mood, crossing the line. It's the one that emotionally resonated with me the most. Okay. And that's why it's my number one. All right, so Walmsley is your top performer of the year. I'll go with Kipchoge because, you know, breaking a world marathon record is kind of a big deal. Um, yeah. yeah. There's no Western states. Let's reflect on ourselves here. Our favorite runs of 2018. I actually did not pick a single race in here. And I had a couple good races, but. You had two amazing races. For well, sure. let's not overstate them, but they were pretty good. <laughs> I had three runs that I went with that were just kind of really good moments in running and training and remembering why you 
love to be out there and, and love the sport. And I'll go first with one here that builds on what you said in, in our last category. That is, I opened the year on the 1st of January on the Shut-In Ridge Trail up in Asheville. Ah, yes, and you did. I had an awesome run. It was well below zero wind chills. I layered up. I put the pack on. I think I even loaded some snacks in there. I remember making a stop halfway and just sitting on a rock outcropping and looking out over it. And when I crested that first ridge, well, you got a lot of steep uphill there early. I crested that first ridge and there was a lot of snow on the other side with the wind coming in and sat there and just kind of looked out and, and watched everything. And and I'm not sure, I can't remember how far I ran, but I, I went out for maybe an hour or so. And then I cut off the trail on the way back, and they had the Blue Ridge Parkway shut down because the previous day had been really icy on New Year's Eve. Right. And, and I remember driving to Asheville, and there were all these cars off on the side of the road. I thought, what in the world happened up here? They had a lot of like freezing drizzle and stuff. So I jumped onto the Blue Ridge Parkway because it was closed, and so I could just run the middle of the parkway back down the hill uh, to where I had uh, parked my Jeep. That was a really special one, really fun one. I I was out there for a few hours. I didn't do a bunch of mileage, but it was just like a great way to start a new year and start fresh and just enjoy running and being outside and I think maybe in that way it's there's some connection to your why why Walmsley meant something to you as a performer there is that romanticism that goes with the trail run that goes well yes so I would have that high on my list what do you got there coming in at number three for me last winter was probably my best stint of consistent training ever Mm. and I remember this moment because it was the highest mileage week I had ran in five years. Uh-huh. I was ending an 85-mile week with a 15-mile run. And I met up with old Ricky Flynn, mm. 213 marathoner, beast in triathlons. So I knew I was going to get my butt kicked. He had us on a two-mile loop for 15 miles. <laughs> it was 24 degrees. And I just remember thinking, this is the most monk-like thing I've ever done. <laughs> I just kept gutting it out and gutting it out. And I, it put me in such a good headspace being able to do that after a week of such volume. Yeah. I, it's just something I'll always remember doing. Very nice. I'm going to use a uh, run with a friend, meeting up with an old friend as well at number two. I visited a good friend of mine, friend of the show, my buddy Max, and we went on a great run at a metro park and when i was visiting my parents for thanksgiving it was this open kind of prairie space that had been converted to farmland and the park system bought it back up and it's just like returning it to its natural habitat and so this wide open prairie it was a kind of cool slightly rainy day like 40 degrees and i i really enjoy for some reason like a a kind of cold slightly damp run i've always found it to be fun and i think part of it is just like not a lot of people out there you know you're out doing it and accomplishing something and and on the flip side you know you're not going to overheat so i I, we were out there and they they had really good trails and there were actually buffalo out at the part at the end and it connected to a old horse track that they had kept really nicely manicured and so it was this dirt oval of about a, a mile that we did a couple of loops on before we ran back on the trail and i'd love to go back to this place and explore more of the trails he said he's run other other parts there 
it was also fun just to reconnect with somebody I've always enjoyed running with. Again, makes you think about why you love to do it. So absolutely, that like day before or no day after Thanksgiving run would be very high on my list. Next for you, uh, number two. You'll remember this. Uh-huh. Um, so after my track season had ended, I took about a month off of running. And I was like, oh, I signed up for the Grandfather Mountain Marathon. <laughs> what am I going to do? Yep. Well, I ran twice before. This was my first run back. I asked you if I should just go out and run two hours. Yep. You're like, go for it. Well, I ended up running a little over 18 miles. I remember this well. At 618 pace yep. in 90 degree weather. It was hot. Yeah. I took two goos with me. And I don't think you took water, didn't you? No, just go I just goo, took straight two goos. goos. Yeah. And I'd never had a goo before. That's right. And I just ran the Swamp Rabbit. Yeah. And I was running past all these people. Like, they were high-fiving and yelling at me. And I just crushed it yeah. out of nowhere. Hadn't ran in a month. He was tapered. And I just remember coming back in, dripping sweat. Yeah, I remember that. Just being like, oh, I love that. Yeah, you just took a break from work and just went out and <laughs> I think and I stayed it. on the clock, yeah, actually. as you should have. You worked hard. I'll go number one. My first good run back after my allergic reaction of the summer. I have never wanted to run more than when I was stuck in that recliner for weeks on end, unable to do anything. And when I finally got back out, it was such a task. It was a chore trying to just get a few miles. I started really slowly. I just tried to shuffle along. I remember this I almost felt numb. I, I still was kind of getting some feeling back in my toes still. Just body felt weird. And I knew like eventually I'm going to be able to get it going. But it was a slow process that first maybe week or two after having over a month off. And I vividly remember a loop I did in downtown Greenville of about six miles. And I got about two miles into it. And I felt like, okay, I'm moving pretty much normal here. I had a little snap to my step. My times were looking more like normal. I wasn't running so slow. And I originally had planned on like four or five miles, but I tacked on another mile or two at the end. And I left it thinking, one, okay, I'm ready to start training again. Take it slow, but I'm ready to start training again, prepare for a fall marathon. And two, thinking to myself, this is why I'm out here. And I'm never going to take this for granted again because I was scared that I'd have that moment again. Would, would I ever be able to do that again for a little while? So after the July into early August of horrors, <laughs> snapped out of it with that, even though it was a short run, that's got to be the most meaningful of the year to me. And I tallied my running log here looked at it maybe a day or two ago and even with all that time off of four plus weeks completely off with um, maybe one or two runs in there and then some real slow miles short miles coming back I ended up with more miles in 2018 than I had in 2017 when in 2017 I didn't have a big break like that so that was still pretty cool for me to see that really on an 11 month calendar I did more than what I did the previous year in 12 months and stayed healthy and relatively successful what's number one for benji well i had a tie okay one is kind of selfish i love when you're selfish grandfather mountain yes yep grandfather mountain if you want to hear about that go listen to that episode of the podcast yes which was really fun yes the other 
is the running around I did at our conference championships this fall. As listeners know, I help coach at Southern Wesleyan University. This conference championship changed the game for our team. In history, we've only ever had one all-conference runner in the program, and it was one girl like three years ago. Mm -hmm. This year, we had three girls and one guy get all-conference. The men finished fifth. They never finished higher than ninth before that. Four out of the top five of our guys PR'd for the 8K on the day. Nice. And it was just amazing running around, getting all these splits, seeing something amazing happen. And also seeing on the kids' faces them realizing what they were doing. Yeah. It was awesome. So that was my favorite run. That's a great pick. And I remember your enthusiasm that weekend. The feel of a program kind of turning a corner and the optimism that it leads to for future cross-country seasons, but building right now into into your track season. So that's a good pick. But if you haven't heard Ben talk about Grandfather Mountain, that was a really great episode. So listen into that one as well. Let's use that right there and go to some of our favorite moments on the podcast from 2018. What do you have at number three? I have our summer reading list. Oh, good pick. I thought it was really cool how much feedback we got from yeah, that yep. and how many people actually went out and read what we suggested. Yeah. It was very cool. The literature side of sports totally unknown to a lot of new runners. Um, they don't realize there is this history or these training manuals out there. And I'm very passionate about it because I love reading about the sport. Yeah, that was great. And I'm I'm right now finally reading one of the books I said I wanted to get to oh, really? <laughs> off the summer reading list. So I had a lot of fun there. I am going to go at number three with your experience with your race, but also more specifically <laughs> the post-race short-lived dietary changes that you experimented with. Oh, yeah. The, like, temporary vegetarianism at lunch or something. I could only eat meat at dinner (laughs) for, like, a month. (laughs) Yes. and But a part of it is because now we've, like, just yesterday we sat down and we're talking about nutrition moving forward as you attempt going back out there and getting back into racing and so i can't wait to see in 2019 what you actually do race and how this 100k goes and what's next and what in the world you do with your diet are we going to be back on the double hamburgers at mcdonald's are we going to swing the pendulum who knows i'm living on my own now it's i have to cook for myself yes it is uncharted waters for ben I think that might be the great storyline of Second Splat 2019. What does this man do to his body next? So I have uh, Benji at my number three. Oh, sweetheart. Next up for you, runner-up. Uh, the strength training episode. Cool. yeah. I actually learned a lot just by writing things down for that. I got a lot of feedback from actual kids I coach on my team Cool. who had listened to that episode. And we had talked about keeping our hard days hard and then but still lifting on other days to help with the recovery process. Yeah, absolutely. And for a lot of them, that clicked why our easy runs are so important, mm-hmm. just hearing that out loud. It really helped my team with buy-in to our training. Yeah. So I found that episode super beneficial, not only from the strength part, but just the recovery as well. If you uh, have questions in, about strength training, which a lot of us are less familiar with on how to do it as runners... That was a fun dialogue we had, and I would recommend some just really simple advice that we laid out for, for folks. And, and again, happy to, as always, if you listen in to that episode and hadn't before and have more specific questions about strength training for you, let us know. We'd love to answer it. 
I went at number two, our interview with Furman star Ali Bukowski because uh. of the timing. She went off after the interview to NCAA championships in the 5,000 meters and had an exceptional performance. It, and uh, she was a great interview, and it was so nice of her to share her story. Really heartfelt moments with her about the loss in her family how that played into her running career. And we are so appreciative of her sharing with us. But it was so awesome to then know what her goals were and see her as, yeah, maybe potentially I'm a top five runner or top three runner if things go perfectly. And then boom. They did. They did. And she did it. That was a lot of fun. So we loved having Allie B on earlier this year. What was your number one? It was our roundtable trail discussion. <laughs> okay. We had Scott Stringer, Kyle yeah. Kugler, Dane Simmons, John Bruno, and special guest. Yes. Jay Baker. Jay Baker popping in out of nowhere. That was both the moment at which we went most off the rails in 2018, but also when we were able to just have fun and have our friends around and talk about our passion. That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I am going to go with our most recent interview as my favorite moment wow. and that was uh, with Austin Stiegel last week if if you haven't heard in mile 21 we interviewed Austin I, I love it because of his story and where he came from and just how much he applied lessons of both success and failure to his running and where that has taken him now and I think that Everybody who listens into that, regardless of your level of competition, could really take something for your mental approach from some things Austin laid out. And then just the the broader story of a kid from a place that's not known for running and not being a runner early on and coming to running. We interact with a lot of people who are like that. They come to running later in life and realize how much they enjoy it and what a passion it becomes as part of their life. I can think of people that I coach right now who are all the way up to in their 60s and are coming into running now and setting great goals within running. And that brought together full circle the whole year of the show for me with Austin. Anything you are looking forward to particularly doing with the podcast next year? Yeah, I'm really hoping we get to interview James Quattlebaum this year. The condition of his interview is that he breaks four minutes in the mile. I I hate putting that kind of pressure on him, but James is one of the most successful high school runners in local history and had a really nice college career, and he has uh, won a few races here recently on the road and has maybe a, a four-minute mile at least attempt on on the brain. And who knows, maybe he's doing something a longer distance too down the road to see if he can hit a uh, qualifying time for the trials. It'd be, it'd be fun to sit down with old Jimmy. I am excited because we've talked uh, a good amount about training specifics here and i know that at some point soon we are going to get into a specific fartlek speed play episode and we might do that early in 2019 
to give some training advice for the people who are saying, let's regroup and refocus for 2019 and make it a, a great year of running. Because I have had more success with that style of running in the past year than I ever had before. And I'm realizing all the different ways it can be used and looking back both on my career as a runner and as a coach and seeing the ways in which you could take this for a sprint-based training plan or a distance-based training plan all the way out to the marathon and beyond. And so there's so many different iterations and combinations you can use to incorporate change of pace in making you a better runner slash healthier, happier person. Absolutely. So that has me fired up for 2019. You know, I'm also really interested to see if something pans out that we've talked about. Uh Uh-oh. The possible inclusion of intro music to the podcast. Man, you kind of spilled the beans on a little bit of something that I had planned coming up. So I think 2019 could be the year of the intro slash outro for Second Splat Running Podcast. And we'll take recommendations. I have some things I've already planned, some things that I've experimented with and actually have recorded already that we might incorporate for the new year. It might be our very next episode. We'll see. Do you hope to keep the same song? Like have a staple song or will this evolve each episode? Well, if someone wants to write us any sort of theme song, maybe perform for us, (laughs) we'd love to do that. But I was thinking about anchoring down with one track that says to the people you are listening live to the second flat running podcast so if you have recommendations if you have topics you'd like to hear in 2019 if you have questions you'd like to discuss if you'd like to crew me at my 100k in february that job is open because unfortunately i have a competition the same day contact us seconds flat podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Also, if you're interested in coaching, please let us know. We'd love to help with that as well. As always, presented by Run In, we want to thank our sponsors. And we are so grateful for our listeners for a wonderful 2018. It's been a lot of fun. It's really neat when we hear from you or the times also are out on a run and see folks we know and they talk about the show. So... Please keep in touch with us and keep the great ideas coming. And we look forward to running with you in 2019. Benjamin, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for always having me. Happy New Year to everyone, and we'll see you soon.